On today's episode of Our Self Love Stories, we got Ariana Ray Dennis, who is a seasoned entrepreneur and peak performance coach specializing in flow states. Welcome, Ariana. Thank you for having me, Margo. I am so excited to catch up with you and to dive into this topic. Um, so I'm leading the way. I feel like we've been so apart throughout this whole COVID and everything. So I'm like, I was like, can we talk about self-love and everything else? <laughs> and everything else. It's just gonna be a catch-up between us. I'm so down for that. But I just want listeners to know that Ariana and I have known each other for years now. And I don't even know if we could really pinpoint um, where we met. It was kind of just like nights out. Yeah. And I was like, so I've been in Manila now. What? It's gonna be my ninth year, like in September. I'll be in nine years. So I'm like, at this point, I really don't know how I met anyone, but but I know when we met, it was just kind of like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, I feel, I, honestly, I feel like it was Imperial. Shout out to Imperial. Rest in peace. Um, you're no longer around. Uh, Imperial's a nightclub in, uh, in Metro Manila. And I feel like it was there and you kind of, we, we probably just like saw each other dancing around, having fun and there's something about your energy that is so, I, I, I gravitate towards people like that. Probably because I see a lot of you and me and, and vice versa, you know, it's just that good energy. Um, so I'm glad that we were able to just be in the same place at the same time. Absolutely, 100 percent, 100%. Um, so you said you are an entrepreneur a peak performance coach and um, specializing in flow states. Not many people know about flow states. So can you give kind of a background of what that is and how you got into being a peak performance coach? Absolutely. Um, so flow states, um, flow is an optimal state of consciousness where you perform your best and you feel your best. Um, what it's probably more colloquially known as is uh, being in the zone or being in the pocket or like runner's high, for instance. Um, and people see these as phenomenons that just happen. Um, you know, you kind of like dip in and out. Um, but they're actual states of consciousness, altered states of consciousness that you can actually tap into and train up. And what happens when you're in a flow state is that your creativity and your productivity and your ability uh, to basically create and produce, you know, grand leaps in, in outcome and performance is just massively amplified. Um, and so when you train up flow states, how to get into flow states and what it requires to get into flow states, um, you can kind of start to harness that and, and call on it on demand, if you will. Um, and so being able to call on that on demand, you can only imagine what that does for your craft. You know, say if you're, you know, I, most of the time it's with, you know, performance athletes um, and things like that. But you can deploy this whether you're um, a chef, an entrepreneur, a business person, um, you know, a, a mom, anything. Um, it's basically amplifying that craft that you have. And so um, I really focus on that and how to get the entrepreneurs that I work with um, to see those massive leaps in performance uh, when they leverage flow states. So that's one of the things. Yeah, you know, you, you, you talking about it, I was like, this is like that limitless movie without the pill. <laughs> I'm just like, I could do that without the pill. Yeah, no, no lie. It, it really is. And so um, it's one of those things that I hope in the next short, you know, near future that it becomes more mainstream, you know, just as meditation is just as yoga, you know, self-care and everything flows right there with that. And so it's something that definitely needs to become more, more mainstream for sure. Yeah. But, you know, being at that peak performance, being in that flow state where you're more or less hyper-focused on what your goal is or what you're overcoming that challenge, um, it must require a good deal of self-care too. Oh, yes. And that's the thing, like when it comes to, um, you know, a lot of the clients I talk to, they're surprised oftentimes at the amount of self-care that I talk about, because when you, you know, what, up, what goes up must come down, you know? And so if you're putting in that high performance, you have to be recovering and taking care of yourself just as hard as you perform. Um, if you look at performance athletes, you know, they spend most of their time uh, recovering or training. 
uh, and they only perform for a short period of time. You know, professional sports careers are you know anywhere from eight to 10, 12 years. Um, so in that cycle, there's a reason why they can perform at that, that caliber. Um, and it's because of the training and the, and the work that goes into uh, getting to that stage. Do a lot of your clients like, Ariana, like, stop, stop telling me to take care of me. Like you, you constantly. When I'm like, when I'm like working with my clients and I'm like, if you learn anything from me, I want you to learn how to optimize your sleep. They're like, what? I thought you were to teach me to do stuff. I'm like, I need to teach you to sleep first because you're not doing anything. You know, you're not serving yourself. You're not serving anyone around you. You're not doing anything uh, great if you're not prioritizing your sleep and your sleep hygiene, essentially. Um, so that's a big one for sure. Um, I was like, I talk about sleep all day long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like we're, we've been conditioned um, as workers, as employees to put in the time, the time and time, time, time is what it takes. Um, but then when we're not taking care of ourselves and, and really, I guess, aware of what else we need, the care that we need, um, the quality suffers. So if you're not sleeping, your brain is off and your mind can't truly be in the flow state and truly focus if your, your mind's a mess. 100%. Um, and, and that's something that, you know, I really love exploring because like you said, we've been so conditioned by the mainstream that in order to progress, you have to hustle and you have to grind, but that doesn't equate to outcome. That doesn't equate to results, right? It's so... It's so input focused, um, but we really want to start to shift that, that focus to output because it doesn't necessarily take as much effort as you think to get optimal results. And so we're so input focused, we're focusing on, I have to spend, you know, three hours doing this, or in order to have a good workout, I need to spend an hour in the gym, or I need to, um, you know, spend this much time on social media to grow my business or what have you. But it comes down to that working smarter, not harder, you know, and, and focusing on output and understanding um, that if we really leverage the things that, um, you know, come naturally to us and that are really going to push us forward, um, all of a sudden the input is not as, as important. It's really what the output is. Absolutely. Okay. Wow. That's, that's huge for sure. We are so um, focused on the input rather than the output. And the end of the day, the output is what, what matters, right? Well, the journey there and, and the output. And so, um, when it comes to, um, peak performance and flow states, was this something that you, I mean, how did you even get into it? Uh, for anyone that knows my background, I went to school for architecture, so quite different. Um, and, and what I, I've come to realize was that, you know, there was a reason for that journey. So I mean, I went to architecture school, um, you know, architects run in my family. So it was one of those things that I kind of just knew I was familiar with growing up. Um, and so I went into that. So I went to school in Philly, graduated from architecture school, was working for a couple of years and then got the opportunity to actually come out to Manila to uh, run one of my family's companies out here. And so at the time I was 22, 23, I had never, you know, done anything entrepreneurial of the sort, um, but what I really was able to leverage from my, my architectural um, studies was that idea of problem solving. So architecture is like really like problem solving for the built environment. You have to be very aware of the people you're designing for, the, uh, the conditions around you, um, and you have to be super aware, thoughtful, thorough, um, and I think it was those skills that I was able to really harness that uh, allowed me to then come up here and, and take that opportunity. Um, and so with that, it kind of like struck, you know, I came in, um, you know, dealing with operations, um, soon got other opportunities to work um, in executive roles with other companies just because of the skill set. So again, it wasn't really about, did you study this in school? Did you do this? It was the output and the output was there and the output and the results could speak for themselves. Um, and so that's where I kind of got into that. And so this, in this space, as you do, I was like, how do I optimize this? How do I become even more excellent at the skills that I already have? How do I do a lot more in less time? And I think that's what a lot of people are always thinking like, 
in order to do a lot more, I need to put in a lot more time. But I was like, no, no, that's, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm good. Um, so I'm like, how do I start to work smarter and, and get those massive results without having to put in hours and hours, you know, uh, of trying to sort out things. And so it led me into doing a lot of research, looking at peak performance um, coaches and a lot of scientists in the, in the space of peak performance. And I came across a gentleman by the name of Stephen Kotler. So he's a big New York Times bestselling author. He actually just came out with a really excellent book, um, The Art of Impossible, which talks, it's basically like a peak performance primer um, and all the research that went into his experience with peak performance. Um, so I, long story short, ended up studying under uh, his research collective, so the Flow Research Collective. Um, and I was able to find basically the answer to what I was looking for. So I was like, how do I, how do I, how do I, and all this, how, how, and I was like, oh my God, this is the answer, flow. It does, it hits all of those things. It amplifies your creativity. It amplifies your performance. It, it boosts your, your productivity rates. It does everything, but it also allows you to live in a space of fulfillment. And it allows you to live in a place of happiness because uh, a lot of it has to do with um, you know, getting into flow requires a lot of clarity in terms of what it is that you want out of life. What are you curious about? Where's your passion? Um, you know, what's going to motivate you to get out of bed every morning? And so there's a lot of formulas um, that go into this, but the end result being that flow. And so once you're in it, it's kind of like you're living in a euphoric state, um, you know, and on demand. Like, think about it. It's crazy. Yeah. I know, limitless pill without the pill. It's really just mind blowing. I mean, I definitely, of course, probably going to reach out to you <laughs> later so we can get into this flow state of my own. Um, but yeah, I, I'm so excited to learn more about that. And we'll probably pick up that primer book you were talking about. I'm going to, I'm going to check out the recording. <laughs> and that, that yeah. The Art of Possible by uh, Stephen Kotler. There you go. Um, and with this, you know, finding your passion, finding, um, you know, and it was well-researched your journey towards being a peak performance coach um, and, and identifying that the flow state is really something that you value and you find uh, very, very important. Um, you know, getting to this place where you are now as a coach, um, how, how is it or when did you start to identify and, and realize that you were on a, your own journey for self-love? Yeah, so it was one of those things where I'd almost say that it happened, the coaching aspect of it happened by accident. Um, and it was because, you know, that journey where you're looking to optimize your yourself um, or, or to just get better at your craft. It's a very ego-driven mission. Not bad or good, it's just surrounded by the I. It's me, I, you know. And so what I started to do is share a lot of the information that I knew and that I was researching with just friends. And what it was is that they were so hooked on what I was saying and the stuff that I was saying. And I was like, I mean, I could, you know, essentially just do that. I don't mind. I'm like, I, like I said, I'm like, I could talk about this stuff forever. I was like, to whoever wants to listen. <laughs> yeah. So Ariana could talk. <laughs> <laughs> and I will talk about anything, you name it. I was like, whatever. I've got some thoughts on it, I'm sure. But it was one of those things where people were like, why don't you like, I'll, I'll pay you to do this. Or I'll, I want to listen to more of um, this topic or that. And it just kind of fell into like this snowball effect of, okay, I guess, you know, people want to hear more of this. I don't mind sharing it. Sure. Let me, you know, do what I need, I need to do to, you know, uh, follow that path of, you know, certifications and things like that. So I kind of fell into that, that route and that's how the, the coaching came about. Um, but the, the self love aspect, I think was something that because I was so eager to improve what I was doing. I was invested in myself. Um, and so it, I saw it also paying off that, you know, I felt like more comfortable 
in my skin. I felt more aligned with myself. Um, I, and this is kind of like a, a side note, but I've started studying like human design. I have a human design coach that I've been studying with too. And if you don't know anything about human design, um, it's all about understanding your own personal kind of like roadmap and, and what you as a person are, are meant to um, really live by. What's going to make your life easier? And so it's kind of one of those things. It's like, you got to feel it to get it. And so when you feel that full alignment, you're just kind of like, whoa, this feels good and I love it and I want to share it with people. Um, and that's kind of where it, it catapulted from. So that's why now when, with the clients that I talk about, they're like, man, you're just like a resource of information. I was like, but it's like, because I love it for me, therefore I want you to love it for yourself and take it and do what you uh, want to do with it because I felt what it can do. I felt the power of, you know, getting in tune with myself and what felt good for me. And if you benefit from that, then, you know, even better. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what does um, self-love mean to you then? Ooh, it's like loaded. I like, do I go, do I go the loaded, loaded answer? Or I guess self-love is just doing what feels right for you and respecting what that is, whether someone deems it right or wrong, because again, right and wrong is subjective. Uh, so doing what really feels right. And because we are such intuitive creatures, um, you know, when people talk about intuition and, you know, if anyone ever says, you know, I have a gut feeling, there's a reason for that um, because our brains and our nervous systems and our, and our guts are so interconnected um, that, that's what it comes from. It's a lot of people think that they think with their, their minds a lot, but a lot of the time you're thinking with your body. And so when you can feel that connection and that intuition, um, then that's what it is. So it's what feels right for your body. Um, and it could be however you express that, whether, you know, it's verbally, whether it's physically, um, self-love is, is just that. Being able to listen to your intuition and respect it right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So was there, was there a time in your life when you felt like I'm not respecting it? And, you know, sometimes it takes a while to get there and realize you haven't been. Ooh. You asked, you asked that question. I was like, well, where do I start? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, you know, there's, it's, it was a negative that turned into a positive, obviously, because it was when I started, uh, you know, realizing that, you know, I need to respect myself. And it was in the executive space, I was working with a uh, company where I was not being respected, but allowing the superficial, you know, the titles, the, the, the money to convolute my, my vision basically on what it was. So almost to a point where it was like, you're getting this out of it so you can feel shitty or you can, you know, feel burnt out and stressed out or talk to disrespectfully. Um, and again, the, when I really noticed how disrespectful I was being to myself, it was really a physical feeling, right? So even, Bit, bouts of, you know, feeling sick or even just waking up and being very reactive and being in a bad mood or, or just kind of all of the things that I know now, obviously this was before I started getting into peak performance. So it's all the stuff now I can name it. I can identify it. I know what the neurochemical signature is of these things. But before that, I was just kind of like, this is what people do. You feel, yeah. You're like, you feel shit because you have to earn money and this is part of the process. And so that's what, what triggered that journey. Like, nah, this can't be it. This is not what life is meant to be. Is like feeling shitty just to make money or just to get by. And what that led to was kind of an awakening to myself where I was like, this ain't it. <laughs> it's like, well, you really know this ain't it. I was like, I know what it, I, I might not know the answer now, but I know this is not it. Um, and it was really that wake up call. And it was actually only just, um, let's say a year ago that I, I parted from that, that um, position that I had. And so it was the middle of COVID, you know, where people were panicking 
about, I don't know when my paycheck is coming. It was that bad that I was like in the middle of COVID where I was like, people's businesses are going down. I was like, no, it's that bad. I cannot continue doing this to myself. I would rather try to figure out how to make money somewhere else, live off of savings than to continue to abuse myself. That is amazing. There were so many things I feel just in you sharing this bit, which is, I'm so glad I was able to ask this this question because there's a part where, you know, you said, I can't keep doing this to myself, right? It takes, again, it takes a while for you to realize this, but for you to say, I'm doing this to myself, you, you were making excuses um, for, for why you were feeling crappy, why you were feeling uh, sick, why you, you know, it, and it was because of the, the mon- monetary benefits from it, because of the, the title and all of that. And, and kind of, it brings it back to the intention you were talking about before. What is my intention when it comes to what I choose to do um, for work, what I choose to do for my life? And, you know, within the past, like few decades, people have been talking more about purpose. And it's something that us usually in our early twenties and even teens, of course, not most teenagers. If you're a teenager and you're listening right now, kudos to you, props to you, because that's not an easy thing to get to at such a young age. But like purpose is so, so um, influential when it comes to this journey that we're in. So I think that it was just amazing to hear and, and know that it was the work setting that you're putting yourself in and keeping yourself in. Cause a lot of people still do that. Absolutely. And that's like the one thing I think that really triggered me into coaching because it was one thing leaving that position. But at that point, I didn't know I was going into coaching. I was kind of like, I need to figure out what actually means anything to me. You know, what is kind of my purpose? And I knew what I was passionate about. So there's, you know, a difference with um, passion and purpose. Um, And a lot of people tend to um, say that my purpose is, you know, something that's very much, um, let's say an external motivator. Um, and this is something that I, that I teach my clients with because I have what I call the, the passion recipe, the purpose recipe, because um, the approach that I take is very much based in uh, science-backed research and neuroscience. Because rather than guessing, um, you know, what's going to feel good or what does this, I mean, listen to the research that's been done um, where we start to really look at our biology and is, you know, history repeats itself. And how do we determine what, purpose looks like based on what we know about us and how we evolve, how our brains think. Um, And so when looking at that, what we can really start to find out is that things like purpose um, are, you kind of get there when you're looking at your curiosities and your passions. Because if you think about the things that you're curious about, the things that you are passionate about, it doesn't require you to motivate yourself to do them or to get into it, right? It's kind of this internal motivation. So, you know, when you're working on things that you're curious and passionate about, you've got that internal motivation. You don't have to tap into it. You don't have to do any special type of exercises, no, you know, any supplements or anything like this. It's internal. It's there. It's natural for you. So really being able to harness that and then figure out, okay, from here, what are these underlying themes amongst the things that I'm curious and passionate about? And that's when you can start to figure out what your purpose is, is kind of linking that to something again, that is going to be bigger than you so that you're not focusing necessarily on the I, but when you start to look at uh, global uh, things that are happening around the world, you know, things that you would love to help solve and serve, um, you really start to tie, you know, your curiosities and passions to something bigger than you. So it's no longer about the ego because the ego is one of those things that um, it's fleeting. Sometimes you feel good, sometimes you don't. It's one of those things. But when you tie your your passion to something outside of you, um, again, it brings in another layer of that motivation um, and starts to put the pieces of uh, the purpose puzzle together. I should say. Yeah, and it and it satisfies one of our basic human needs of being feeling significant in the world, right? 
So I think it's great. I, you know, I feel like personally, one of my purposes has always been just to help people, you know, help people and connect people. I feel it's something that I just naturally do. And I was thinking about it the other day, like, yeah, whenever anyone says, oh yeah, you know, I'm struggling with this. If I can't help them in any way, I will think of who I could connect them with to help them with it. Yeah. And it's exactly that, that feeling where you just feel so internally motivated to help people run with it. And it's like, when you pair that with more of the things that you're curious about, let's say, um, you know, if it's uh, charity work or if it's, you know, and it can be anything, like really think about what you're, you're curious about. And it could be painting or it could be this. And all of a sudden, you know, your, your purpose is coming more in line with helping artists connect with other artists and things like that. And that's where you start to build that that recipe, um, and then you pair that with flow, game over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to book a session, Ari. So <laughs> that's great. I, I love it. And and since we've you know tapped into more so how you've gotten to your place of self-love, what do you feel has been your biggest challenge um, that either you've overcome or you're continuously, you know, working on to try and overcome? Here's the thing. I, I, I think I tie a lot of my self-love uh, to something very much or, or something that happened or when I, when I was younger. So I went to boarding school. I was a very much an independent child. I'm a middle child at that. So it was kind of like, no one's paying attention. Let me go figure myself out. Let me go to <laughs> it's kind of like I need to forge my own path so that started kind of the journey of independence and so you know taking that route I was living on my own uh from 13 years old and I just had to figure things out for myself and at that point when most people are growing up with their siblings around them their family around them you know their, their close friends obviously uh, in high school. So I had my friends around me, your friends all of a sudden become like your family, you know? And so I have friends that are just kind of like, these are my siblings. Um, it set me on this path of independence. And then on that path of independence, there was no one reassuring you of, you need to do this, or you're really good at this. It was kind of very much like independent. So I had to learn that self-talk of, you got to do this for you because, you know, people are worrying about themselves, they're worrying about their family. So you have to kind of pretty much uh, do the self-talk for yourself, right? And so I started to harness that as a skill, just kind of like, well, you know, there's, there's that external chatter or there's external feedback, but then what's my internal feedback saying? And so it's one of those things up until now um, that, I feel like I've really been able to, to harness is that, that internal feedback and really block out anything. And it's only, I guess, uh, backed by the experience, the years of doing it, where in the end, looking back, it's like, I'm glad I listened to myself and not this person. I'm glad I listened to myself and not what was trending or happening outside. Or I'm glad I listened to myself instead of doing this because, you know, and so it was kind of just that reassuring, um, you know, experience throughout, you know, my years that I'm now like, man, my internal chatter is bomb as hell. Like, <laughs> like, we were like I was, you know, joking before is like at this point, people would be like, someone needs to turn her, her self-love, you know, monitor down. <laughs> Notches down a little bit. Calm down, Ariana. <laughs> you got way too much self-love. <laughs> no. Yeah, because up until this point, I'm like, I got myself to this point. I've done a lot of shit. I'm still alive. Um, I wake up happy every day. I'm like, so I gotta be doing something, right? I was like, you know, it's, it's kind of like, and again, the only person that I've lived with this entire time is myself. So, I mean, she's smart as hell. <laughs> She is. And she got to make herself happy. She, she's got to focus on her. I think it's, it's, um, it's amazing, you know, and, and, you know, someone who didn't go to a boarding school, right. We, we, majority of people mainstream are, are thinking, oh, boarding school, like you must've been going through some stuff. 
that's always it. People think that boarding school is like, oh, the bad kids are there. There were bad kids, but I was wasn't there the right way. <laughs> so kind of like just like brief background. I'm from Boston originally. And so in New England, you know, the private school scene um, is quite competitive. And you know, it's kind of where a lot of people get that kind of independent start. And so there's a range of different types of um, private schools in New England. And the one I just so happened to go to um, was about two hours away, um, you know, outside of the city where my where my parents, my siblings were. Um, so it wasn't like I was like across, you know, across the country. Um, so I lived, lived at school, but it was because of, I guess, how much they emphasize in this, in, in private schools, kind of like your future and where you were going. And so it was, you're, you're lining yourself up for success starting when you're like in middle school. So I remember like middle school, I was doing like interview practice. So we would have like you're uh, what 12 years old and I had I remember my um interview coach she was this British lady and she would just like run you through questions because she was preparing you to get into these high schools and again like most people are like I went to public school or I just went to the school near my house or whatever but I was like no I practice interviews um to get into high school and so the high school that was very fitting for me it was um a sports it was Lawrence Academy in, in, in Broughton Massachusetts um, and it was very much oriented around sports and in arts, which were my strengths then. So that's why I ended up going with, with that school. Um, and so from there, it was again, kind of like, all right, now you're on your own and take it to the next level into the next level. So it was just kind of like, from the very beginning, I kind of had this thing in me that was just like, optimize, optimize, optimize. Like, how do we make it better? How do we get, you know, smarter at this? How do we get, uh, you know, further, uh, along? And so, mm -hmm. Just that little story. Boarding school is not only for bad kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm convinced now, now knowing that you went to boarding school, I'm completely convinced uh, that there are some really amazing people that come out of it. <laughs> no, I really didn't think that way. <laughs> Full disclaimer, I really didn't think that way. And I was like, I didn't. I was like, sometimes I ask myself, I was like, did my parents pull a fast one on me? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I think it's amazing because you were you were able to experience um, autonomy at such a young age, you know, where a lot of kids, you know, did just feel felt so controlled or they had to be something or someone that their parents wanted them to be, you know, childhood. That's a whole other uh, story of, or podcast. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, but um, I think that with you, it's it's beautiful that you're able to um, really see how your journey started at a much younger age than it is now. You mentioned earlier how um, you know you're glad that you didn't listen to that external chatter, you didn't listen to the discouraging comments. So when you would hear them, how would you typically go about it? Huh. You know, I had somebody pose the same question to me the other day, um, and it was, damn, I'm not original. Yeah, no, but it was something similar in terms of like, and, and kind of my response was like, how do I now verbalize what, you know, 12, 13 year old me was thinking? And I don't know that I, I can necessarily, you know, because it's kind of like, you know it in that moment, but because I have the lexicon now to describe and probably make assumptions and things like that to, um, you know, make, you know, surmise basically what it was. But at that time, I think I've always just been someone that was like a crazy thinker. And so when information, you know, comes to me and information being, whether it's educational information, whether it's something that somebody says, it drives me to churn and really like process the crap out of whatever that in information is. And so probably not to the degree where I am now, but to some degree, you know, that, that skill was already coming in. And so I would always think to myself kind of like, how do I process this? And what's the benefit of this? And how does it, uh, you know, serve me in any way? Um, and always then going, you know, having, you know, parents that raised me well, they're all right. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, they, um, I, it was, I, I fared to the side of, you know, giving people the benefit of the doubt or, you know, being able to separate thought from emotion uh, and, you know, really looking at, um, all right, you know, you can take that, that's your opinion. And then it's kind of like move on. And so it's really, I guess that, you know, being able to get in that gap between thought and emotion and, and analyze rather than putting emotion to thought first and becoming very reactive. That's so powerful. That's so powerful because we're so, you know, we get, we could be so triggered by just words that other people have. And um, it sounds as if a lot of maybe what you were analyzing at such a young age was, okay, they have a perspective. There's a reason why they have a perspective like that. It's not my perspective. So they could go ahead and keep thinking that way. (laughs) And keep keep going, (laughs) you know, like I got to accept what you, you want to think for yourself, but I don't have to accept it for me. When you kind of, you know, think about it, it's, it's what we tend to do when we're a lot younger is that we do a lot of things that we wish we did naturally now. It's that we go through this process where we let so much inter, you know, external infiltrate and influence us that we're like, we wish we were as curious or as fearless as we were when we were younger. You know, so giving, giving more, more props to uh, our younger selves and knowing, you know, or even if people have kids, just kind of like me, I'm like, I don't have kids yet. And so people are always like, what do you know? And I'm like, I feel like I'm still a kid to some extent. So I was like, that's kind of damn. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. I feel I'm, I feel like I'm very childlike. I don't think I'm child. I can be childish sometimes, but uh, the majority of the time I'm childlike. Um, but it's so important to have that curiosity. I was listening to a podcast. I don't remember what it was recently. They were talking about that curiosity, that curiosity that um, if we were not um we're conditioned who we are as adults are, are conditioned, you know, and if we took away all the negative things, it's conditioned us to believe in ourselves of other people, how would we be approaching what, whatever is in front of us? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Because we, we beat it out of ourselves. Like we, we go to college and we're like, pick one thing that you want to learn for the next four years. Like, what the heck? And then you have so many people that now in the professional lives are like, I'm multi-passionate or I'm a multi-potentialite. I like a lot of things, but I don't know how to navigate or make money off of it because I like so many different things. And we live in a world that's like, you need to be specialized. You need to be specialized, specialized. And you know, the, the term of the generalist is over, but let me tell you, generalists are coming back in full force um, because it's something that, you know, if you can speak to a lot of things, especially in a world now where we're no longer physically connected with each other. And so if you notice over the past years, teams have now whittled down, they're cutting down. And so the skill set for a single person is now, uh, you know, yeah, and everyone's looking to expand, you know, one, two, three people to do the job of 10 people. Uh, so, you know, there you go there when, you know, kind of like the one trick ponies, it's like people no longer want to say at this point now, it's like, oh, I need a freelancer for this. And I need a freelancer for this. And I need someone to do this. And you've got all these team members. It's just not as sustainable. Um, you know, so there's still space for specialists. Absolutely. Um, but generalists are, uh, I definitely think making a comeback. There you go. There you go. Thank you. That makes me feel better. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this is great to know. Um, no, uh, yeah, because that's something I definitely struggled in, uh, you know, just being a jack of all trades. Yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm a creative. I'm a helper. There's so many things that I can pick up very quickly. And because of that, I felt like I wasn't a master of anything. And I couldn't really put myself out there with the confidence to say, shoot, I'm amazing at this one thing. So look at me, you know, and I looked at it as such, um, I was discouraged by it. I was like, nah, like that's not it. Um, but thank you. You're giving me hope for myself a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And it's, it's that, that thing of being fully confident in that and saying, 
there's nothing wrong with liking all of these things or being curious about all these things or wanting to do all of these things. If you want to then turn that into something that you can monetize, and this is something that I work with my clients with because I have a lot of clients that are either in the, the corporate world and they realize that they're like, this ain't for me. I need to go do this. How do I even make that, that jump? How do I make that leap into monetizing stuff that I don't even know, you know, that I like or what I do? And so it's really looking at all of those things that you're curious about and kind of like, what are those underlying themes, you know? And so connecting those underlying themes and harnessing that to find, uh, you know, what you're ultimately uh, going to be drawn towards. And so, you know, I was like, I'm, I, it's more of a long-winded thing and I do, you know, sessions on these. Um, so there's a whole process to it. So when people come out of it, the only thing is too, is like disclaimer, I, I've done this exercise with a lot of people and after it, they're like, I'm quitting my job. And I'm like, no, don't do that. No. <laughs> Not just yet. I was like, this sounds good. And you kind of like all of a sudden have like this bout of clarity. And yeah. It's kind of like, I'm there. That's what I should be doing. This feel good. And again, it's going to be that stuff that makes your body like come alive where you're just like, you're perked up. You're, you're ready to go and you can feel it. Um, so that's why I say, I'm always like, think this through. Like we're going to, you know, do a few sessions where we work through this. Don't quit your job just yet. You know, make sure you have that security first. You got you got to pay me for these sessions. Don't quit your job just yet. I feel like I should pay you for this uh, this guesting though. I'm just like, dang, I have I've learned so many little nuggets. A lot for me to reflect on. I think it's beautiful. Um, but let, let's get back on the the subject of self love. What are the things that you do on the daily? You know, like the do you have routines where you're just like, I need to do this for me right now. Oh man, sometimes I literally get up and I will just blast music and start dancing. And I am like, again, I think I'm just like such a feeler where I'm just like, sometimes you just need to like, just play some music and just like jam out with yourself. I'm like, not even anybody else around, but it's just kind of like feel it and get in tune with yourself. And, um, you know, there's this, this term of embodied cognition. Um, look it up. I'm not going to give anyone a lesson right now, but what it does, you can really get in tune with your, your body and really wake up. And it's almost like, you know, you're going and having like these six cents, seven cents. Um, once you start to get more in tune, uh, you know, with your intuition uh, and your embodied cognition and things like that. So it's one of those things that after I do that, I'm kind of like, I don't care what comes my way. I'm like, I feel good as hell. I was like, you can tell me that I, uh, I talk too much or I am loud and this. I'm like, I'm going to be like, hell yeah. I was like, it's like so dangerous at that point. I was like, and this is what I mean with like too much self-love. I was like, you can tell me anything. I'm like, let's go. I'm loud. Good. I'm glad you can hear me. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, the, and that's the thing it's, um, I think that's another thing that I find so wonderful about you and, and the person you are is you're unapologetically you because nothing you do gives i mean from my experience with you is offensive you know what i mean you're not yeah, yeah you could be loud yeah you will go you know it's just like i i am who i am and i embrace it you know um so again if you if there's something you feel about people who talk a lot or something you feel about people who are loud uh okay <laughs> you know figure that out really what it comes down yeah and it's like at the end of the day, I mean, you figure out who your people are, you figure out who your tribe are and who you surround yourself with. Because, you know, if you have people that even just bring negative energy um, towards you, they're not your people. And there's billions of people on this planet, so they don't have to be your people. So it's kind of like, um, really do what you're going to have to live with yourself, right? And so you can pick and choose the people around you, but you can not choose to say like, no, we're not going to be Ariana today. We're going to be something else. You know, that's all another issue. Oh man. Yeah. That is amazing. I love it. I love it. Um, what do you feel is your biggest motivation to continue on your journey um, with self-love? It's that feeling of fulfillment and waking up every day and just feeling happy. And it's the only reason why I can appreciate this so much is because 
I'm very much close to what it was to feel the opposite, right? I was in a place where it was just kind of like, I would wake up and just be miserable and I would just have to muscle through, or I would be really, you know, reactive um, to people or to situations. And looking now, I'm like, it was an ugly place to be because it's one of those things where it's like nothing good came of it, whether it was to people around me or to myself. Um, so nothing good came of it. And so knowing that it's kind of like the yin and the yang, it's the ebb and the flow. You, you have to be able to um, experience the opposite side to appreciate, you know, the, the good side of it. And so my motivation with self-love is kind of knowing what the opposite of it looks like. And that is like, so it's not necessarily like self-love is what I'm striving for. It's I'm making sure that I don't experience the opposite of self-love ever again. That is, that is deep. That is, that is some real, real stuff. And very, you know, it, it, it can take a lot for someone to realize that, you know, really self-love to me is a lot of introspection. You know, you need to see not just what makes you feel good, but really be aware of what doesn't serve you and where you've kept yourself, like you said earlier, with uh, the position you're in before. So, wow. Yeah, that's, that's really deep. I am sure a lot of people will benefit from kind of having that reflection. Yeah. Self-awareness is one of those things that it's not easy. And it's, you know, and because when it's influenced by so many other factors, self-awareness is one of the things that you actually really have to work at and um, really start to um, train yourself and, and want to start listening to your, to yourself. And then it's one thing to be self-aware and do nothing, but it's another to be self-aware and take action. Yes. Yes. That action, that action is necessary. Um, yeah. And you mentioned it before, you know, the appreciation um, I wanted to ask you before we end this amazing episode, what are three things you are grateful for and why? Ooh. So one thing that I definitely, definitely recommend to people, because I do this myself and it's just game changing, but I do a daily gratitude uh, practice. And there's so many benefits to this. I'm sure a lot of people have, um, you know, come across, you know, the benefits of gratitude, but if you don't do it yet, definitely would recommend doing it. Um, and one thing for sure is people like you, like the friends around and your, your community, your tribe, your, your people, because those are going to be the ones that, you know, you, you feed off of. And again, we're such, um, you know, we're just, uh, evolutions of kind of like what was, you know, we, we back in the day when there was cavemen and things like that, we were tribal creatures and we still are. And so that's one of the things that even you can have a tribe of one, you can have a tribe of two, 10, you know? So as long as there's kind of like that tribe, what it does um, for me, I mean, I'm like, wow, like that's crazy because, you know, there's some people that can, you know, be really lonely out there or feel like they have no tribe. So being able to feel that I've got a, a tribe uh, is definitely something I'm grateful for. Um, number two, um, I would definitely say I'm grateful for my ability to think. And because critical thinking is something that, um, you know, can really get you to a place of self-awareness. Um, so it's something that helps you um, in terms of just dealing with day-to-day -day things, you know, big or small, um, but being able to just think and, and rationalize, um, through things allows me, I'm glad I can do it because it allows me to then be less reactive or be more thoughtful about things and then to show up better for others, uh, and myself. So that whole idea of just thinking and number three, what am I grateful for? Um, I am grateful for being, you know, in the Philippines right now where it's nice and warm and, you know, you, everyone else, like most of my people are back East coast, uh, in the U S and so I know, but just being in a place that, you know, the sun comes up every day, you look outside, there's palm trees and, uh, it's a place with beautiful people that are 
naturally just happy, you know, and it's just like such a warm place to be physically, emotionally. Um, so I, I would say I'd go with those, those three things. Definitely. Your tribe, critical thinking, and being in the Philippines. Those are great things to be grateful for. You know, when you started talking more about the critical thinking, I was thinking more, um, like it, it sounded as if you were talking about empathy, the fact that you're able to think so much and, and try and figure out other people's perspectives so that you can show up better for them so that you can be less reactive and empathy is, oh, game, game changer. If y'all don't know what empathy is, let's, let's start doing a little bit more of that. Uh, but thank you for sharing your three things. And thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of Our Self-Love Stories. Before we let you go, though, what are your plans, your, your plans in the near future that we could look out for? And how can people find you online? Yeah, for sure. So as of right now, I'm doing one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, so you can find me uh, on my website, which is just arianaray.com. Uh, or uh, on social media at Ariana Ray Dennis. Um, and so you can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, things like that. Um, I'm in the process of streamlining a lot of this and creating a course. So look out for that because it will be um, kind of like a flow and peak performance course that kind of fast tracks you um, and allows me to serve more, more people. Um, so yeah, that's what I've got going on. Sign me up. You know, I'm there. You know, I'm there. I'm going to reach out to you after this, actually, to be real, because I think this is going to be, uh, again, another game changer for me personally. So thank you for all your drops and knowledge throughout this episode and just for being the person you are, because um, I've always gravitated towards you. I don't, I, it's just, you're infectious. And, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how, uh, far in between we've seen each other every time we do it's like we pick up right where we left off and I think that's the beauty of you so thank you for guesting thanks for having me thanks for having me um I am just like so excited that you're even doing a podcast because I could listen to you talk like forever and ever <laughs> I was like we, we need to, we need to figure out what our pot, we, we need to make a podcast for the two of us and we just be talking about stuff. I don't know what it is. It could be about, you know, how important sleep is <laughs> or what kind of sleep we had uh, earlier, something, something else. We could talk about that. Cause I know that you and I could probably just go on forever and ever. I know we'll be like the fastest podcast to go live and get kicked off because they, they don't ever turn out their episodes are like three days long. <laughs> We're like, no, just get on Clubhouse, please. Just get on Clubhouse, you two. Um, yeah, oh, I'm like so addicted to Clubhouse. Well, not really addicted. I know my limits, but Clubhouse, it's a brilliant app. I'm on there at, at Ariana Ray. Um, and that's where I do a lot of my kind of like live talks now. I did one on sleep optimization uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, so that was really good. So a lot of these tidbits where I, I get a lot of people that are kind of like, talk about this, talk about that. I'm like, I go right to Clubhouse and I'm like, let's just, you know, talk it out and Oh, let's start a club. Let's, let's start a, a meeting. I, I'm so down for that. Yeah. Let's think of what we could uh, come up with and, and do one. I, I would love to do that. A, a lot of the people I am on, uh, I follow on clubhouse are stateside. So I'm just like, it's three in the morning. I'm like, yo, I need to sleep. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't. And so I had to take a break because it was not serving. Me. <laughs> I was like, definitely, that's what we'll do. We'll definitely start to serve the, the this side of the world um you know there's all going on right now but definitely for me to represent here in the philippines yes sir well thank you again ariana and um, everyone listening right now, thank you for your time. We will post every Friday at 12 noon. So we'll see you back for the next episode of Our Self-Love Stories. 